0: Covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball, it's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley,
1: and we do welcome you into another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast, powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. I'm gonna be with you for the next uh, little while, and we've got a we got a fun program coming up today. This is our All Star Break edition, or our first half recap addition of Brewers X turning to the podcast as the first half of the season the unofficial first half but the first half of the season did wrap up on Sunday afternoon when the Brewers beat the Yankees to take two out of three and pick up their first 50th win, 5-0 in the, uh, in the year, and they go into the All-Star break, nine games above five hundred, and also five and a half games in front of the Cubs and the Cardinals in first place. It has been a spectacular first half of the season for the Brewers, and it's been a lot of fun. As we do a look back on the first half, so generally when we uh, do these programs, we're really looking back at the previous week, we're expanding that out a bit as it is the All-Star break edition. It's going to be more of a look back at the entire first half of the year. Uh, we are going to uh, have Adam Rigg from uh, the Brewer Nation and FanRag Sports. He's going to join us in our social media conversation. That's going to come up in just a few minutes. And then later on in the hour, we have a first-time guest on the program. Uh, we're going to have uh, Nolan Bratt on the show. show. Uh, he is known as a uh, Brewer Prospect on Twitter. If you uh, follow the prospects uh, throughout the Brewers minor league organization, you probably follow him. If you don't follow him. You probably should because he does a great job with what he does covering the minor leagues on an everyday basis. We will still go back through the week that was with our headlines of the week coming up in just a few moments. This was an interesting week because for the first time we started to hear some rumblings that the Brewers might be buyers, and kind of big-time buyers at the deadline. Uh, Sonny Gray of Oakland and Jose Quintana of the Chicago White Sox were both mentioned as individuals, players that the Brewers might be interested in. Those are two high-level starting pitchers. Those are going if, Assuming they do get traded away from Oakland and Chicago, respectively, those are two of the top players, two of the top pitchers, that would probably be traded at this year's deadline. Now, the thing that makes those couple guys a little bit different than some of the other players that will be traded at the deadline is those guys are not rentals, meaning they do not become free agents after this year, uh, whether it's uh, under club control or contract options or whatever it might be. The Brewers would have control over them for more time beyond this year. And I think if we know anything about this club and this organization, they're not going to go make a move to just go get a little bit of help for this year. The only way that happens is maybe during the month of July going into the uh, end of August deadline where maybe you can take some salary off another team and acquire a veteran guy to help your team uh, who has uh, cleared waivers. But for the July 31st trade deadline, I don't think they're going to go get any guys that are rentals where they have to give up some prospects. Now, if you've listened to this program much, if you've listened to me on uh, WTMJ, if you don't know, uh, I host the uh, Brewers Extra Innings program, after Brewers games on uh, WTMJ, I've pretty much said that I did not think that there was much of a chance that the Brewers would sell away some of their top prospects for for high-level talent at the trade deadline. And all you got to do is look at last year's uh, Jonathan Lucroy, Jeremy Jeffers trade, the Tyler Thornburg trade during the offseason. To go get major league talent, it costs a lot. It's not cheap whether it's relief pitchers, starting pitchers, whatever it might be. I mean, there's a uh, there's a lot of competition, and you got to give up a lot. So in order to go get, hypothetically, a Sonny Gray, to go get a Quintana, no matter what, it's going to cost a, a, a pretty penny. And I really didn't think David Stearns and the Brewers would be in a position where they would give away high-level prospects. But if I'm being perfectly honest about things, I also didn't expect the Brewers to have 50 wins at the All Star break and be five and a half games up in the National League Central. I mean, I've been on record. I think I've been one of the more positive people about this team even going into the year where, where I, we, you can go back and listen to the old podcast where I say this team can be around 500. But that was kind of my high expectation of the team, if I'm being perfectly honest about things. Uh, I didn't expect them to be doing what they were doing, and I also didn't expect the Cubs to be doing what they're doing, and even to a lesser extent, the Cardinals to be doing what they're doing, or I guess better said, not doing what they're not doing, if that uh, makes any sense. So all of a sudden, if the Brewers can make a move to go really help out the roster and get an impact player, and it cost one of your top prospects, let's hypothetically say Corey Ray. Corey Ray's an outfielder who is uh, right now at the lower levels of the minor leagues. Now, he's a college guy. He was placed aggressively last year. He's someone who's probably not all that far away within a couple years, probably, of the big leagues. But you look at the outfield situation, the top prospect of the organization is Lewis Brinson. He's going to be a big league regular sooner than later. Uh, still at the upper levels, you have uh, Brett Phillips and Ryan Cordell, who have put up big numbers. You have many other outfield prospects in the organization. Uh, Trent Clark comes to mind. Uh, you just uh, up and down. Monte Harrison, Jimmy Ormeloy. You know the. Those last guys are a little bit lower-level prospects, but nonetheless, you've got a ton of outfield prospects. So if you can go get somebody where you have to trade away Corey Ray, I'm not saying the team should trade away Corey Ray. I think Corey Ray's going to turn into a really good Major League ball player. But if trading him away when you're in a position of strength at the Major League and Minor League level... The the outfield is producing pretty darn well for the Brewers. Uh, Ryan Braun, he's having health issues this year, and we'll get into that more uh, coming up in a moment. But Braun is still producing. Domingo Santana's putting together really good numbers. You'd like to see more consistency from Keon Broxton, but he's had a positive impact on the team. Aaron Perez has played in the outfield. He's done a nice job. If it takes trading away from an organizational position of strength like outfield where you still have a lot there coming up through the system, I wouldn't be completely against it. And it's a fun conversation to be having. Who would have thought that we would ever be talking about the Brewers buying and buying at a fairly large level at the deadline this year as they try to make a run for the playoffs and have some success in the playoffs. But that's what we're talking about, and it's fun to talk about. The Brewers are at a great place here as we uh, get into the All-Star break again on Sunday. We record this on Sunday night. Sunday afternoon, they defeat the New York Yankees. On the same day, the Chicago Cubs end up losing. So the standings right now in the National League Central have the Brewers at 50-41. and 41. The Cubs are 43-45, and 45, as are the Cardinals. They are both five and a half games back. And when you look around baseball, there's only a handful of teams that have 50 or more wins. Think about how much publicity the Boston Red Sox are getting this year as being a first-place team in the American League East. I mean, they're being talked about a lot. And the New York Yankees have been talked about a, a fair amount as well. Boston is now 50 and 39. So they, uh, they have the same amount of wins as the Brewers. They have two less losses, so they have a bit better winning percentage, but the same amount of wins. Uh, the Houston Astros have 60 wins. That's an incredible number. But when you look at teams with 50-plus wins in all of baseball, you have the Red Sox, you have the Astros, you have the Nationals, you have the Dodgers, you have the Diamondbacks, you have the Rockies, and you have the Brewers. That's a small group of teams. And when you look at only the National League – all of a sudden, the Nationals, the Brewers, the Dodgers, the Diamondbacks, and the Rockies—they're kind of in a league of their own at this point. And the Diamondbacks haven't been—or excuse me—the Rockies have not been playing great baseball recently. The Diamondbacks haven't either. They're three and seven in their last ten after Sunday's action. So some of these teams are starting to fall off. I mean, the Brewers are only uh, three games in the win column behind the Diamondbacks, so only two games in the win column uh, behind the Rockies. So they're right there with those other teams. Outside of the Dodgers, who have won sixty-one games and are. In Clearly uh, the top of the National League those other teams, you know, the the Nationals, the Brewers, the Diamondbacks and the Rockies, they're all right there together and they're all very good teams and if the season ended right now it would be those five teams in the postseason with uh, with the Cubs on the outside looking in as they sit two games below 500 at 43 and 45. Again on the program this week, we've got a good one for you. Uh, we're going to be joined by uh, Adam Rigg from FanRag Sports and the Brewer Nation. That's coming up in just a Few moments. Nolan Bratt, uh, brewer prospect over on Twitter, he's going to join us uh, later on as we go down on the farm. But first, we have to get to our headlines
0: of the week. It doesn't matter if it's right in the middle of the summer or winter, there's always news about the Brewers. Let's look back at the week that was with Matt's headlines of the week.
1: Unfortunately, it is starting to look like the calf injury for Ryan Braun might be a nagging injury throughout the year, and that's the last thing that Brewers fans want to hear. Because this guy within the lineup has been productive. And last year, even though they put in a lot of maintenance days throughout the year, he was a plus 300 hitter with 30 home runs and close to 100 RBIs. So Braun can still be very productive. Uh, The calf injury has put him on the DL twice. Probably shouldn't have come off as soon as he did the first time, and that's probably why he went back on the second time. He forced it a little bit. He re-injured it, or at least maybe re-injure is too strong of a word. It tightened up on him on Saturday. He wanted to stay in the game. He did not. Then on Sunday, evidently, he wanted to play, and they advised against it. He is supposed to play again coming up on Friday. But this is going to be something that we're going to have to watch throughout the course of uh, of, of the rest of the year. Bronze calf and being very hopeful that enough maintenance days and enough rehab that it does not flare up again where he has to miss an extended amount of time. Um, Guys get injured, and I've I've been accused recently of being an apologist for Ryan Braun. I don't think I am. I think by saying we're going to have to watch this all year long and this could become an issue, I think I'm showing that but right now what this team has to do and what Craig council has to do is give him enough maintenance days that it doesn't tighten up on him. It doesn't uh, result in more injury that you can have him down the stretch of the season and potentially have him in the playoffs as well. Speaking of injuries, a couple guys go on the disabled list this week. Uh, Eric Sogard, who's been dealing with an ankle injury. It just was not improving on him. Uh, he had a pinch hitting appearance recently, but that was about it. And, uh, they put him on the 10 day disabled list and, uh, to the to his credit, Jonathan VR has actually played pretty well, especially uh, later on in the week, going into Sunday and Sunday as well. I think he had six hits in the Yankees series, so uh, a good performance by Jonathan VR. But Eric Sogard on the disabled list, Yadio Rivera replaces him on the roster. Junior Guerra has also been placed on the 10-day disabled list. Uh, he took a uh, a ball back off the bat to his shin, so he has a contusion there. You get the sense it's not a major injury. He'll probably just miss a start. And with the all-star break uh, coming up, uh, you're not going to miss a ton of time there. But the starting rotation, there are definitely some question marks in there right now. Brent Suter has put together good back-to-back starts uh, pitching in place of Chase Anderson. And he's going to stay in the starting rotation uh, for the foreseeable future if he continues to perform that way. No word on who's going to start in Junior Garris' spot. What they're going to do, uh, it, you know, utilizing the All-Star break, they'll restack the rotation going into the weekend. But just uh, where where it all stands is unknown at this point and it could turn into a bit of an issue but you know, the, the three guys that you have in the rotation that are really rotation guys in Jimmy Nelson, Zach Davies, and Matt Garza Nelson's been good throughout the year. He didn't have his best stuff on uh, on Sunday but he was able to uh, get that win of course uh, Zach Davies has been looking better recently but there's still some consistency issues. Same thing with Matt Garza. So we'll see what those guys uh, look like as we continue to uh, to move forward. Brent Suter is staying in the rotation for the four future the futures game was played on sunday the usa uh, team usa defeats the world team 7-6 the brewers had three representatives team usa lewis brinson goes one for four Corey ray goes zero oh for two and uh, for the world team mauricio debon ends up going uh, one for three for uh, for that squad but very cool for the brewers organization to see three guys make it onto uh, the futures game and i wish they I don't like them playing that game on Sunday afternoon. It almost feels like it's not part of All-Star festivities because Major League games are going on uh, at the same time. But that's uh, that's the way things are, and uh, that's the good performances and good to see uh, a number of brewers taking part this year in the futures game
0: after every brewers game signing an announcement bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take now we bring them all together it's the social media roundtable and it starts now
1: Brewers Extra Innings the podcast is powered by WTMJ Mobile it is time for our social media conversation. Uh, a guy that we love to have on the program he was our first ever guest on the program and a guy who we affectionately refer to as the executive producer because a lot of the guests we get on are uh, because of uh, because of our relationship with uh, Adam Rig from uh, the Brewer Nation you can uh, follow uh, Brewer Nation on Twitter at Brewer Nation. Adam thanks so much for taking Time. How are you
2: doing? Down since day one. I'm good, Matthew. Uh, It's been a good weekend. You know, a couple of nice games in New York. Uh, One not so fun ninth inning, but for the most part, uh, I'm I'm doing well both in the, the personal life. And as far as following the Brewers go, it's been, it's been a fun few weeks, that's
1: for sure. So this, is, uh, this episode of the podcast is the look back at the first half of the season podcast, which makes it more fun than not fun because the Brewers are nine games above five hundred and they have a five-and-a-half game lead in the Central. I feel like both of us were rather positive about this team going in, but I also don't think either of us saw... 50 wins at the break, nine games above five hundred, and a five-and-a-half-game lead for this club. What's your takeaway on the team's ability to win so many games and have their position in the standings that they have right now?
2: Yeah, and unless we forget that, how many of those games did the Cali Phillies blow along the way and how many of those games did the setup guys lose before we even had a chance to get to the ninth with the lead? You know, this team, conceivably, based on what they've done and based on the results, you know, this team could probably have 55 wins, 56 wins, maybe even a couple more, depending on if things would have broken their way a little bit better in certain games. But, you know, like you said, we were both pretty positive coming in. And I'd like to think that all of the things that have happened to the Brewers so far this season, you know, Craig Council is very big about saying you earn your record. You know, you are what your record says you are. And I think that the team has earned this. They've showed so much talent and ability in spring training. Um, they came together very quickly. The the clubhouse culture that Council has put in place since he's taken over the reins has been nothing short of amazing. These guys really do fight for each other and unless the other clubhouses don't. I don't know. I'm not in clubhouses or off in the league. But these guys really care about each other. Um, you know, from day one council had this thing where you know, let's communicate, let's you know, everybody share each other's phone numbers and contact info and let's check in on each other in the off season and you know, see how everybody's doing, see how everything's going. You know, so they really foster a sense of uh, family along with being a baseball team. So uh, that's coupled with the fact that these guys are young, hungry, uh, loaded with talent, if unrealized talent in certain, in certain cases coming into this season. Um, several guys didn't get their opportunity. Certain guys had a little bit of an opportunity, but not enough of one. And you put that all together in a clubhouse where, you know, it's it's a really a why not us type of situation. You know, these guys have been some of these guys from spring training and on. Some of these guys will say it was more you know mid April, late April that they have started to buy in. But you know, this group really believes in itself, and I think that's a, a combination of all the factors that I've said, uh, plus the fact that I think one thing out of their control so far this season. Too you know, 95 percent of the degree obviously they've won a, a couple of games from the Cubs, but the one thing truly really out of their control is how poorly everybody else is playing. But they don't have much control over that and for what it's worth maybe it could still be nine games up but five games back themselves if other teams were playing differently. So that's a little bit of you know circumstance working in their favor but bottom line is they're a talented group and they've really maximized on their opportunities uh, at this point and hopefully they can play even better because they haven't played their best baseball yet I don't think for an extended period of time.
1: What did the club say when they beat the Cubs this past week in the one-off game, eleven to two, scoring nine runs in the first three innings? What did the club say? Yeah, what what did the Brewers say? What did the club say? You know, what kind of statement were they making? Whatever kind of cliche you want to say. What 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 was the statement that was made with that win?
2: I thought you were asking what they actually said. I don't. No, I I think I, I think what you see is. They were, they were pretty cheesed off about the fact that the Cubs canceled that game, you know, 45 days before making it up. And it really affected them, uh, whether it's baseball circumstance, and some of it would have happened anyway. But they were eight games over 500 at that point, or seven games over uh, 500 at that point, whatever it was, and lost that game and went into a little bit of a tailspin. Um, things got chewed up a little bit. Um, I, I don't know if it was. I've got, got extra rest, and the starting pitching kind of faltered. Whatever it was, they lost a, a few games in a row. Um, got almost back to 500 at one point, and then took them the, the whole 45 days. Like I said, to get back to where they were going into that rematch or that makeup match. Um, I, I think what this showed is we're not some second ran, uh, you know, also ran the second city, little kid brother of Chicago up here in Milwaukee this season. You know, this is a team that can win, can win handily and can really dominate a talented opponent like the Chicago Cubs. Uh, they are a talented group of players. You know, you don't win 105 games or whatever it was last year in the World Series um, without some talent uh, leading, you know, a little bit of luck. But this, they really made a statement, like you said, that we are here. Uh, we're not going anywhere. And come take a look at us if you haven't noticed this yet, America, because the Brewers are leading a uh, talented division on purpose.
1: Travis Shaw is hitting 299 with his uh, action on Sundays, now at 19 home runs and really a ridiculous 65 RBIs. Again, it's kind of like the first question. You could be very optimistic about this guy going into the season, but nobody could have expected those kind of numbers being put up. How surprised and how pleasantly surprised have you been about what Shaw's been able to do, in addition to some very good defense over at third base?
2: Yeah, uh, I think that the best part about all this is that Travis Shaw is the guy who thought he could do this. And he was the guy kind of who I was talking about earlier where he got somewhat of a chance, but not really enough of a chance in Boston. Uh, He started to get platooned when he struggled a little bit and that just sent him deeper into a spiral of, you know, not being able to uh, produce on the field without the the limited playing time. Um, He is, he has been, just a revelation for the version of the cleanup spot. Uh, a, tr- a traditional cleanup-type hitter, driving everybody in on base in front of him. Like you said, he's got 19 home runs now, including the one today. Uh, just really fulfilling the job that they brought him here to do. Play solid third base. if not spectacular, but to play solid third base and a rake in the middle of a the lineup. They wanted to get more left-handed, part of the reason they went and got Eric Thames as well, and they accomplished that. They've got nice balance in their lineup, and Travis Shaw has been... An enormous part of the offensive, uh, you know, consistency of this team. He's just been day in, day out. He he had one little slump. I want to say maybe second week of May, second or third week of May, somewhere in there. He had about a seven to ten game slump. And I remember speaking to him about it at the time, where he basically said, "No, there's no way in hell I'm going to let this be an extended say, issue." You know, and he got himself right very quickly, and he's been consistent all season long. And you know, he. The funny thing is he once told me that he feels like a first baseman playing third base still. <laughs> and you mentioned the airless streak and how how, how good his glove work has been over there. It's kind of funny that he would consider himself that way. Um, but he has been very, very good over there, um, doing exactly what he's needed to do and exactly what the Boston Red Sox still wish they had.
1: We'll move on to, uh, to Eric Thames. Here's a guy who, when... Uh, The season got started, put up ridiculous numbers in the month of April, slumped in May, in June got a little bit of the power back, but then hit for average. In July, he's got a little bit more uh, of the batting average back. Do we know yet exactly who Eric Thames is and who he's going to be, or is this still a process of him kind of showing who he's going to be in his return to the big leagues? I think it's still
2: a little bit of a process. Uh, April, he kind of ambushed baseball. I don't think anybody knew what to expect, and I think a lot of teams overlooked him. In spring training, he had maybe one home run, uh, maybe two. It wasn't, very, it wasn't a very high total. And I think people were around baseball were like, okay, well, this is the Bruce first base, so I'm going have to worry too much about him. And then he kind of took the lead by storm, especially with what he did against Cincinnati in those couple of series. They kept pitching him low, and that's where he was looking for the ball and he punished everything that was in the zone and laid off everything out of the zone. He, he, I think he walked 18 times in the month of April alone uh, and crushed you know, everything that was uh, you know, crushable. So he really did a, a fantastic job early. And then the adjustments happened. Like we always see, you know, the top prospect comes up or you know, the, the veteran comes back from AAA or comes back from a, the DL stint or whatever, and he hot right away the league makes adjustments, you have to adjust back. And Thames really, he had, I don't know if it was an issue with that, but it took him a little bit of time to, you know, make those those adjustments back. And he said the other day that he was putting too much pressure on himself, maybe with Braun being out of the lineup, maybe with the team scuffling a little bit here and there, dropping a couple games here and there, he took it, you know, mentally hard on himself to do more. And he had a couple of days to clear his head. He said, look, you know, I understand what kind of team we have So I just got to see ball, hit ball, and get back to what I was doing early. And as you mentioned, the, the batting averages started to rebound a little bit, and a lot of it, from what it wasn't like May. Um, and he's really starting to produce again. So if I think he settles somewhere in the middle. I don't think he's going to be super up and down like he was. I don't expect to see a month of April again in his time in Milwaukee, and I don't expect to see a month of May again in his time in Milwaukee. I think he's going to be a little bit more of a, you know, uh, Cut down that the the, the breadth of his swinging, um, by his, not his swing of the plate, but I mean the swing from good to bad, you know, slumping and streaking. So I really think that he will probably you know level off a little bit. But um, like you said, I think it's still a little bit of a question mark, a little bit of a work in progress to see where he's going to end up. But so far, the overall returns, I don't think that David Stearns could have been happier with what they got out of uh, famous coming back from after three years in Korea.
1: Ryan Braun has been productive when he's played, but he's played 38 games this year. He's missed a lot of time with the calf injury. Uh, He tweaked it again on Saturday. He wanted to stay in. He wanted to play on Sunday. They're being real careful with him. But after two DL stints and then it kind of flaring up again on him on Saturday, are you at all concerned that that calf injury might be something that lingers and nags throughout the course of the season? At
2: this point, I think we have to have that concern, don't we? Um, he, the the first DL stint and the second DL stint, to me, it's the same injury. I don't think he was ever recovered. I don't think he ever should have tried to play after the first 10 days. So I kind of consider that to be one, you know, chunk in my mind. Uh, but the overall numbers, you're right. He, he hasn't played much. When he's been in there, he's been good, uh, which is what you expect from uh, a hitter like Ryan Braun. When he's at the plate, he's going to be productive. He's going to be a key piece of any lineup that he's in. You know, hitting third sandwiched between the two lefties that we've been talking about, uh, Thames and Shaw, Uh, he's been productive. And, again, when he's healthy enough to be in there, I think that's what we'll get. But I think that you absolutely uh, have to come up with a a different kind of a plan to really, uh, I don't want to, I'm trying to think of the right word here, but manage the, the situation, I guess is the best way to put it. He needs to be able to be in as many games as possible because a 80%, 90% Ryan Braun in there for two thirds of the remaining games is obviously far superior than getting 100% out of Ryan Braun for a week, uh, damaging his calf even more, and missing another month. So people want Ryan Braun to be in the game, and uh, how can he miss time? Do one of these, does he have another you know, I hear all this garbage and far worse and more vulgar things on social media about why people think Ryan Braun should be playing and why they think that the injuries aren't a problem. And, oh, I had a strained calf, and I was back at work the next day. You know, it's, it's a completely different situation. Uh, casual fans, even stalwart fans, we need to stop comparing our jobs to Patriot or any professional athlete's jobs. They're not the same. Uh, it's one of the biggest pet peeves. But, you know, I think we need to be smart, um, come up with a plan, and hopefully maybe be overcautious if Ron thinks, you know, I'm good today. Compliments to be like, look, the day game after night game, you just play two in a row, three in a row, whatever it was. You know, take a break, you'll be better for it the next day. We don't want to, you know, continue to risk injury here. So, um, a little aside, if I may, something I'm writing up for Tuesday for uh, for FanRag Sports is a piece about Ryan Bunn's presence, what he's meant to the team now that he's still here and hasn't been traded. And one of the little sidebars I'm going to do in there, it's kind of funny that it's a calf injury again. Ryan Braun here in 2017, a great season for the Brewers, because if you remember, and I know you weren't in the city by that point yet, Matt, but obviously very aware of baseball, uh, Ryan Braun had a calf injury around the all-star break. Everybody's like, Ryan Braun needs to get on the field. What a magical season. We need him on the field. Ryan Braun got himself on the field. And so many people that want to see him on the field right now, hit him for how he got himself on the field back in 2011. So you can't have both ways. <laughs> this is a guy who needs to get healthy, uh you know, the way that everybody seems to want him to have to get healthy um, to be able to play and contribute down the stretch. Because this can still be a magical season for the Brewers. And I think, though, in order to, you know, capitalize on these, these, the current position, maybe win a division, maybe have a, a nice playoff run, you're going to need Ryan Braun in that three-hole come October.
1: It's a great point by you. And I Look, I don't understand the – I just don't. I, just, uh, I get people who are angry at him for what he did those years ago, and that's valid, but I don't understand the vitriol and the mean-spiritedness to it. And You know, I defend Braun because my basic thing is – He's banged up this year. Two years ago, he played in 135 games. He hit 30 home runs. He hit 300. He almost had 100 RBIs. I had a uh, when I was hosting on WTMJ on Sunday. I had somebody text in ask me how much money Braun is paying me for carrying his water. Like that's the that's the reaction I get from people, and I I just don't uh, get it. Yeah, I,
2: earlier today, I got uh, somebody on Twitter said that I offended him because I am supporting a liar and a cheater. And I'm like, oh, come on, dude. Even if, even if I'm sitting here and and if I'm the worst anti-Bron guy in the history of anti-Bron guys, and I'm sitting here and I'm saying, "He he did it in college, he did it in pros, and everything was fake, and, you know, what am I really upset about? That Ryan Braun fooled me and made me feel bad about myself for believing in something that I no longer think is true, right? Isn't that the base of what all this anger is about, yeah. in my opinion? Um, that, that's where I'm at. So, yeah, if you want to think that it was all enhanced and maybe you wouldn't have done it otherwise, just can't you still enjoy the fact that it did happen, the Brewers benefited from it, and we had a hell of a lot of fun as fans in 2008 and 2011. Like, wow, so what did he get? He took a suspension in a season that he shouldn't have been playing anyway because of a thumb nerve injury. And when that was fixed, not even talking about 2012, the season after he got busted or whatever, and he put up monster numbers in 2012 almost as a big middle finger to saying, well, look at me, and he didn't test anything in 2012, and he was great the entire season. Then he had the nerve damage, and he gets that fixed with the freezing operation, comes back the following season and has another great year. So... Like, what do you want from this guy? Enjoy him. Maybe you don't have to leave. He handled things in 2012 with the press conference. Absolutely. He'll tell you that he, that was a huge mistake. He's admitted it, that he wishes he could have done it differently. I still have a theory as to why it went down that way. We'll get into it at another time. But I don't understand why people at this point can't just say, you know, he's playing for the name on the front of the jersey. Whether I like the name on the back of the jersey or not number eight in the lineup helps the Brewers. So let's go and let's have the Brewers have success. And even though, if I don't want Braun to have success, I do want 24 other guys to have success, and maybe even quite Council and, and everybody else. So can we just enjoy the team, enjoy what they're doing, and just calm down about stuff that we don't have any control over and isn't going to change at this point?
1: Starting pitching has been... For the most part, pretty darn good in the first half of the season, and uh, it's at a little bit of a crossroads though right now with Chase Anderson on the DL for at least another month, probably a little bit longer than that. Junior Gara is going to go on the DL because of a shin thing. Yeah, he's probably not going to miss that much time, but all of a sudden you've got Matt Garza, you have Jimmy Nelson, you have Zach Davies in the rotation. Uh, Nelson's been the most consistent of the three. Davies definitely seems to be trending in the right direction. Brent Suter has been good as a starter, but you you don't view him. At least I don't. You don't think that he's a long term member of the rotation. He's just doing a really good job filling in Chase Anderson's spot. Uh, you know, going back to kind of the Braun question with concern. Any concern about the starting pitching being able to hold up during the second half of the season?
2: Sure. Yeah, I, I think there's concern overall. Uh, Jimmy Nelson has appeared to achieve. You know, not maybe his final form. Uh, but certainly more along the guy that they thought he could be when they drafted him a uh, second round out Alabama. So uh, I'm very happy with him, obviously. Today he watched a couple guys early, uh, but still kind of held it down and you know got the win in New York against a, a strong Yankees lineup for the most part. So I've got a little concern with him. Chase Anderson I don't think is a, a mistake that he was doing better this year. I think there's hard evidence that you can point to um, as to why he's better. Uh, A lot of it comes from the use of his cutter, so I think that that's not something he's going to forget how to do when he comes back healthy. So adding him back in will almost be like acquiring a starting pitcher by the time he's ready to rejoin the rotation. Um, But I think there's legitimate concern over Junior Guerra. Uh, He looked a little bit better before he got the shin contusion on Saturday, or Friday, rather, excuse me, in New York. And maybe, you know, with a little bit of time off and, Maybe he can round back into the form that he showed last year because he was he was great last year, flat out. Um and and Davies has been up and down, uh, but he's also the guy who gets a lot of runs to the board. So I have a little bit of concern with Davies because he hasn't been as in command and control throughout the whole season. But every time, you know, Twitter kind of fires up and says, Well, that's it for Davies and let's get Davies down to the minors, he'll put up a couple of nice starts. So it's certainly still in him. It's not like he's forgot how to pitch all of a sudden, it's just uh, a matter of, you know, better results, I think. But, you know, Garza, he's even been okay. I would still think, though, at the end of the day, if the Brewers go out and acquire something at the trade deadline, that starting pitching has got to be, it's not their primary focus, at least. You know, 1A and 1B was maybe giving uh, a piece or two to the bullpen. So I, I think Sturs recognizes that. I think that, you know, complementary pieces uh, from the minors, who's filling in, Brandon Woodruff uh, is expected to, possibly get a start or two once he's finally healthy after that hamstring issue that he had in St. Louis. Um, you know These guys, maybe they can contribute. Um, maybe they do a great job like Studer's done for these couple of starts, and maybe it ends up not being an issue uh, one way or the other. But I think that a team in the position of the Brewers could do very well. They don't have to mortgage the future. Um, I can hear the gnashing of teeth, even though this is I'm not going to post until after we're done recording a live. I can hear people saying, oh, don't give up the future. I don't think you have to. I don't think you have to give up a Brinson or even a Corey Ray or, or, Phillips or any of these, you know, top five type guys to go out and get a solid number three type starter. You know, everybody wants to go get an ace, go get me Marcus Stroman, go get me Chris Archer, you know, go get me the top level guys. Go get me Sonny Gray from his rookie season when he was lights out. Go get me, we get me those types of guys. And, uh, but don't pay anything. You know, everybody's worried about that. I don't, you know, there's a happy medium. Get a, a solid contributor to the rotation. Somebody who can take the ball, uh, eat up innings, give you solid work every single time out on the mound. And, you know, can make you ten starts down the stretch, fifteen starts, whatever it is, by the time that they acquire the guy um, for you know mid-type rotation type cost. So you can still deal with your positions of depth. Yes, the, the Brewers fans, I think as a whole, have always been smart, and they're very very tuned into the minor league system right now, especially being in the middle of a rebuild. Feels very much in the city. Uh, Granted, we didn't have uh, social media (laughs) to the presence at all like we do now. Uh, But back when everybody and their mother knew the names JJ Hardy, Corey Hart, Prince Fielder, even Ryan Braun, Ricky Weeks, that group of guys as they were coming up the system, everybody knew those guys. And now it feels like everybody knows the current crops, the top 10, top 20 prospects. But you're going to have to give up a couple of names um, that people are aware of at least. Um, from the positions of depth like I said but you can do that you know half your medium this thing get yourself maybe a mid-rotation starter maybe a couple of pieces of the bullpen and you know, if you can't lengthen the game with your starter shorten it by getting the bullpen maybe a combination like I said but um, you can do that and, and have everybody be happy I think show the team that hey we're in this we want to add because we like where you guys are at and we think we can help put everything over the top uh, it can be a good trade deadline it could be a good month of August, September, and, and see what happens.
1: Okay, so I totally agree with you that you can go out and acquire help for the big league roster without giving away top prospects. But you probably can't go get a Sonny Gray. You probably can't go get a you know, a Quintana without giving up big-time prospects. Would you? How would you feel if if one of those top starting pitchers that's going to be available at the trade deadline, would you be in favor of the Brewers giving away One of their, you know, a top outfield prospect, maybe not Lewis Brinson because he's so close, but there's so many, you know, there's so much depth in terms of outfield prospects in the minor leagues. Would you, are there guys out there that you could handle the Brewers giving away a top 10 prospect to go get a a top level starting pitcher at the deadline?
2: Well, I think like any trade, it depends on the overall circumstances, who we're actually getting. Uh, and who are actually giving up, and there's no real way to know that. But sure, uh, I, think for, uh, I always think that there can be a deal that I'm happy with uh, from my outside position looking in um, that, that I won't be upset about. But, yeah, if they went and gave up Lewis Brinson to pick up Jay Happ from the Toronto Blue Jays, then that's an egregious uh, mismatch of talent, I think. You don't have to give up a prospect like that to get a mid-rotation type starter. If they do go get an ace a true ace, true number one, maybe even a number two type pitcher, and they gave up one of those you know, top five. Uh, so long as they're dealing from a position of depth, then I'll probably find a way to be okay with it, especially if the pitcher ends up doing well. Um, but you know, we have to remember, you know, I said this a couple of different places, said it on Twitter in the last few days, minor league prospects exist to help the big league club, and they do that in one of two ways. They either graduate to the majors and help actively, like you hope that everybody does, or you use them to go out and acquire pieces that join the major league roster and contribute actively, like there has done in the past. Most recent example, of course, with the Zach Granke deal. Uh, obviously, we know what happened with CeCe Sabathia. We know what happened with Sean Markham. You know, these guys that you, you spend some prospect to assets, and you go and you get a piece that you think will help accomplish your goals. So if the Bulls have a ton of outfielders, guess what? They only play three positions in the major leagues and at every other league in baseball, every level in baseball. So you have maybe you carry four outfielders, maybe you carry five outfielders, you know. So maybe they don't want to trade Lewis Brinson. Maybe they trade him in with Santana and clear a spot for Lewis Brinson. Um, maybe eventually, you know, T.A. becomes a fourth outfield type, while Braun Brinson and Phillips or you know, Cordell's factors in, or whoever else is in the, the big league outfield. They absolutely can deal from depth. They've got Corey Ray, who everybody's super high on. He was just in the futures game today. Um, won the, uh, de facto futures game batting practice home run derby that they like to do. Hit eight home runs in that session. So they've got so much talent bubbling in the, in the minor leagues. They're going to eventually deal from that depth to get major league talent, whether it's outfield, whether it's infield, you know, whether it's the, 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 the testing here is the real deal at second base. Then Mauricio Dubon becomes more available. Uh, then Isan Diaz becomes more available. Names of guys know. Names of guys want to see flourish and expect to see in the big leagues one day. But you, they can't all play second base in the big leagues. It's just impossible. So you're going to be trading away some of these assets because as they graduate together through the system, um, you know, you get, So you get a second base and say Jonathan Villar's gone when he's arbitration eligible, and say Mauricio Dubon's your second baseman then. Well, all of a sudden, in two seasons here, Dubon knocking on the door. What do you do? You know, you still got uh, DuPont with you know, pre-arbitration eligible dollars, and time Diaz, here, here he is, and right behind him here comes Keston here, who is a, a high-level college-type bat. So eventually, like, like I keep saying, I don't mean to repeat myself, but eventually you're going to have to deal from this depth. I think that's always been the plan for Stearns: is get me a bunch of hitters, let me get a great offense, and then I'm going to use some of the more hitters that I've acquired to go out and get some pitching. Uh, you know, via trade. And I still think there's are going to lure somebody here in free agency to pitch uh, based on the talent of the organization around that person, but again, that's a conversation for another day.
1: Yeah, and just a couple more questions for you, Adam, you're being very gracious with your time as we do a first-half review, uh, All-Star Break edition of Brewers X-Durings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Uh, I don't know about you, but it's almost amazing because uh, Corey Knable, an All-Star, he's put up the, the record-breaking numbers in terms of strikeouts every game it feels like he's been the closer for a while for the brewers like he he is the closer there's no doubt about it but you look back it wasn't until mid may that he really took over that role and, and there was still the hope that neftali Feliz might get it back together and might return to that uh, that spot it, it's almost funny to look back and realize that you know he's only been doing this now for for a couple months
2: yeah T uh, was the type of guy i mean he's been he was a closer in college he was one of those rare guys drafted to be a reliever. You know, a lot of guys end up in the bullpen or even if they relieved in college, they're still, you know, they're still tried out as starters in the major, in the minor leagues rather to see what they can do. Uh, but Kniebel was a guy, he closed to Texas. He was a, a closer in the minor league system with Detroit. And then the Rangers, uh, before the Brewers acquired him from Texas and the Yolanda Garrido deal. Um, and he's a guy that's, this has been his goal in the, in professional baseball is to come up and be a closer. So, yeah, the fact that he's been able to do this, I think that half the reason they went on signing up, that for police, the Brewers have uh, kind of a long history of graduating closers into that role, um, meaning they'll come up, they'll be seventh, eighth inning type guys, and eventually, through attrition, uh, they'll ascend into you know being the ninth inning, the, the, the closer type. You saw it with Frankie Rodriguez back and forth. When the Brewers first acquired him, he was setting up for John Axford. Axford struggled, got traded, uh, Rodriguez was your closer for a while. And then he trained guys after him, like Jeremy Jefferson, Will Smith, and Thomas Thornburg. And I think Knable even had a season with him, if I'm remembering correctly. And those guys, uh, again, Jefferson kind of became a closer after uh, Smith got hurt. And then they both were sharing the deal. And then when they both got traded, Thornburg closed the rest of the season with Knable in the bullpen role, again, struggling a little bit while he was still learning, so on and so forth. So this year they bring in a veteran like Saliz, I think, so that Knievel could do the eighth inning guy and, and continue to get his feet wet. And yeah, he took that role, um, and I don't think he's going to look back. He's the guy for the foreseeable
1: future. All right, last thing for you, and you, you tweeted out earlier a retweet from Dan Plesak from MLB Network. It says, uh, All-Star break is here. No spell check. The Brewers do indeed lead the NL Central by five and a half games. Craig Council, slam dunk, National League Manager of the Year. Is this the point now that we're at the All-Star break? Do you feel like, you know, not that it matters what the national media think, but I can tell you there's a lot of Brewers fans out there that feel like the Brewers are not getting the run that they deserve. Uh, are we at the point where maybe nationally – people start to look at this Brewers team and say, okay, they're for real.
2: Absolutely. And the All-Star break is one of those times where the national media especially gets a chance to collect itself, uh, think about what the storylines are coming for the second half of the season, and really focus in on what what they think the stories will be down the stretch. And this Brewers team with, again, a collection of, not misfit toys, but guys that didn't fit other places. You know, Manny Pena was a throw-in on a trade, the, the trade for uh, uh, Frankie Rodriguez and sent him to the Tigers. You know, you, you get a guy that you get things who had to go to Korea for three years before Major League Baseball to take another look. Uh, we talked about Shaw already. We talked about, you know, all these guys. Uh, Bandy, Jeff Bandy, when he was here, was a guy, a cast-off, Steven Vogt, a cast-off from Oakland who wanted to get younger and, you know, develop one of the connections at the Major League level. Uh, the pitching, you know, all these guys that have come from different places. Um, Keon Broxton was available in a trade for Jason Rogers because the Pirates said, well, that's all he's ever going to be, and we need to move on, and we need to get an infielder. And the Brewers said, okay, we we'll see something in, in Keon Broxton. Let's develop him." You know, so all these guys that have been, maybe they didn't sit other places, maybe they were extraneous pieces other places, you know, they've come together and, and really done that. There's so many stories to tell with this Brewers team. I think it's, it's a national scribe's dream to have the, the Brewers be undercover at this point, because they really have been, like you said. You know, they haven't gotten a lot of the uh, love nationally, that maybe they should at this point for how well they've been playing, how far ahead they are in the division, et cetera. Um, but there's so many stories to tell about all these different guys, personalized, off-the-field stuff, and professionally, you know, what they've done as baseball players to get to this point together and individually. Um, I really think, like you said, the national media is going to take notice. They already started to. You know, in that makeup makeup game against the Cubs, you saw a couple of guys, uh, Bob Mangio, USA Today, um, you know, a couple of these guys, they, they dropped articles about this Brewers team, what they've been able to do, what they plan on continuing to be able to do, how it looks, how it's going to shape up against the Cubs. You know, a couple of guys on MLB.com that are national typewriters. Um, they've been dropped stuff. Um, John Ross, had the, the big tweet about Zach Quintana, or uh, Jose Quintana and, and Sonny Gray, that, um you know, this is the type of attention that they're starting to get. People want to know more about what the Brewers' plans are, what they're going to do. You know, what the front office is into. So, I really do think that the national media is about to wake up. I think that they're going to go to, they're going to converge on Miami, cover the team. Corey course, Neville's probably going to get a lot of uh, a lot of attention while he's down there. So, hopefully, he pitches. Obviously, he's worked a well the last couple of days, uh, but hopefully, he pitches on Tuesday, and we all get a nice story out of that. And when the Brewers come back to town and have the weekend series to open the second half. Um, big huge 1982 celebration. Hopefully, you know, there's, there's so much, like I said, so many stories to tell, so much depth to this team that uh, this should really get a lot more of that national attention that we've been seeking.
1: He is Adam Rigg. He is uh, over at uh, the Brewer Nation. He is the Brewer Nation, essentially. Also uh, from Fan Sports. Follow him on Twitter, uh, at Brewer Nation. Adam, great stuff. Thank you so much. We always, you uh, have a special place in the heart of uh, Brewer's Extra Innings, the podcast. And uh, Enjoy the All-Star break, and we'll see you at the ballpark coming up uh, this weekend.
2: Looking forward to it. Yeah, the All-Star break's one of the funnest weeks of the season. There's not many games to do, but there's a lot to see and watch, so I'm looking forward to it, and Uh, obviously matt thanks anytime you need me you know where i am i'm just a phone call away
0: (laughs) the future of the brewers organization has never been more important than it is right now it's time to get an inside look at what's taking place throughout the brewers minor league affiliates as we go down on the farm
1: brewers extra innings the podcast powered by wtmj mobile does continue my name is matt Pauly. it is time to go down on the farm and Uh, throughout this entire program we've been doing a look back at the first half of the season well we are well past the halfway point of uh, the minor league season but that doesn't stop us from uh, including this segment into the look back and uh, to do that we're very happy to welcome onto the program uh, the first time uh, you see him on twitter at brewer prospect his name is nolan brad Uh, really takes a, a long look at the entire brewers minor league system on an everyday basis nolan thanks so much for coming on the program how are you doing today
3: Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me on. Great. Brewers are in first place.
1: Great day, man. Let's uh, let's start with that. I mean, obviously, you're on to talk about the minor leagues, but uh, this is uh, is kind of our all-star break edition as well, and the Brewers are sitting with a -a five-and-a-half game lead in the National League Central, and they have 50 wins under their belt. Even people who were bullish on this team this year probably didn't see this coming. What are just kind of your general thoughts on the way the Brewers have been able to play at the major league level during the first half of the season?
3: Yeah, I mean it's, it's you, you can't deny it. it's impressive. Uh, I mean, we've we been watching them the whole year. It every day you you you're seeing new people that are producing that you, you just didn't expect to uh, to just produce at the major league level. I mean, it's you're not seeing star power. It's, it's a lot of guys that uh the front office is banked on and and really uh getting great value out of, you know, Pina, Um, you know, there's there's guys out of the, the bullpen, Knable, Broxton, or excuse me, Knable Barnes. Um you didn't expect to have um be this part of a this, this involved in the bullpen. Um but yeah, it's you know, it's it's fun to watch. You, you know, I I follow the minor leagues but really the main thing I'm always focusing on still is the Major League team and uh um, yeah really it's, uh, it's it's a great ride, and we'll see we'll see when this goes.
1: All right, let's jump into some of the minor leagues and let's start at the Triple A level. And uh, we can't do a look back on the first half of the season without mentioning uh, the top prospect in the organization, Lewis Brinson. He gets a cup of coffee in the big leagues. It was really to uh, to get his feet wet more than anything else. There was a roster spot, so they got him open. Uh, they had it open, so they got him uh, up for a few days. Uh, you can't really judge him off it, but uh, for Lewis Brinson, what he's done at the Triple A level this year, hitting 339, 10 home runs, forty two RBIs, uh, he's got. An ps uh, just under a thousand. Uh, what's been your takeaway on on Brinson? Has he developed this year the way uh, you were hopeful that he would uh, after the trade last year?
3: Yeah, totally. Uh, you know, it's, it's what you want to see out of your top prospect. I mean, he's got he's got all the tools. I mean, you put him in a in an environment like Colorado Springs, um, and the expectation is he can produce. And you know, you can look at his home. Stats at home and away, they're both uh, they're both spectacular, and uh, you know he's giving you he's, he's really slashing his tools um, all over the place, and uh, he's, he's earned his first call-up and you know, he saw him in the, the future games this afternoon, and he had a hit an RBI double there, had a walk stolen base. Um, it's it's probably not going to be that far until we see him again in Milwaukee, and uh, you know it's it's, it's what you want to see out here. Your top prospect and, uh, we'll see what he, uh, he does in the second half.
1: I was always kind of the belief, and I said this, and it turns out I was totally wrong, but I was always of the belief that, you know, once they called Brinson up, it was going to be they had a starting spot for him, and he was going to be there, and he was going to stay there. And obviously they called him up uh, in a situation where it was a temporary time, and he he didn't even get to play all that much or all that consistently when he was there, so it made sense to to send him back to AAA. Were you at all surprised with how the Brinson call-up went?
3: You know, um, I guess initially I didn't think. I mean, we had Phillips coming up first, and uh, you just you didn't expect Brinson to come up as well. Um, obviously, you have you have know, quite a handful of guys that are producing in AAA, and uh, you know, his time is going to be coming at some point. Um, but it was, it's it's always hard to gauge when that exact time is going to be. Uh, and uh, as far as his role at the major league level, you know, when you skimmed it called up. Um, but for the most part it's just hard to see with the players to have and you know the injuries at the time with braun um his role going forward is being a starting player i mean broxton is still sure giving you you know production he's, he's a heck of a fielder uh, in the outfield um uh, still great great ball. He's gonna strike out a lot um but for the most part you, know, you gotta like what he's still giving you uh, at the major league level um, it's so it's not a matter of is he ever going to see him? just again? You know, when when's that time frame going to be? It's just uh, he'll be there at some point. Um, but it's it's a long road. You you, you got to take what you get, and uh, you know you can see you know some of the struggles there at the beginning, and uh, we'll, we'll definitely see him again
1: maybe not completely considered a, a, you know, the quote unquote prospect, but, uh, Garrett Cooper is putting up ridiculous numbers of triple a 17 home runs, 82 RBIs. I know there's 40 man issues and all that sort of stuff, but if he yeah. continues to play like this, don't the brewers almost have to find a way to, at the very least, get him on the roster in September.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. I get a lot of, a lot of questions like that on, on Twitter. And, uh, it's hard to... You look at a box score and you see this guy just demolishing AAA and uh, you think it's, it's got to be a matter of time and there's no way he should be you know, sitting there for that long. Um, but when you look at the Major League roster, you're just you're just limited. James uh, is, is your guy at first and um, I don't think... You know, we talked about a little bit earlier the minimal role players that are really producing and giving a lot of a lot of value. Uh I Aguilar. I mean there's just no way you could have expected this kind of production. Um, and he's even limited at first base. Really? You don't see him play on a position. So it's first base. is just that position where, you know, it, it, you can't really move him around the field. You know, you, only one person can play there. And, uh, um, unfortunately it's just, the end of the game. When you got, when you got good value at the major league level, it's, uh, to see a spot come up you know when you if you get an injury here soon, or somebody goes down or you get somebody traded um yeah you know, I, I tend to believe he's going to be going to be in the mix I, I believe i read somewhere i want to say that uh they had interviewed cooper and uh basically he's uh he's in the mix as far as is what he's been told um you know if, if the opportunity comes they won't hesitate to uh to bring him up so
1: with Josh Hader not being on that team anymore and with Brandon Woodruff getting the call up and now technically being on the big league disabled list, uh, the pitching the group of pitchers isn't exactly prospect-laden. From a pitching group um, with this Colorado Springs Sky Sox team, the group that's sitting there right now uh, with Hader gone and with um, with Woodruff not there, is there anybody that you especially see as uh, having good potential and maybe kind of being an under-the-radar guy to pitch uh, you know, contribute uh, going forward at the big league level?
3: Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, I know your uh, fellow guest, Tim Goulart, uh, I think he's brought up at one point, but Tristan Archer is the guy that, you know, he's been in the organization for several years now. Uh, I've always been personally high on them. There's, there's several within the minor league circle that have, um, that have talked about him quite a bit. Uh, there's nothing flashy about him, really. He's, I mean, he's, basically pounds of strikes only throws two pitches. Um, but there, there's this value in throwing strikes and not walking batters. Um, especially uh, I think I think Griffin Archer could be we could see him at some point here at the late later part of the summer, if not in September. Um but I I'm a fan. I think uh I think there's a chance you could see him for sure.
1: All right, let's go to uh double A now. The Shuckers sitting a few games over five hundred uh through uh Sunday's action. And I'll start with Corbin Burns. We'll start with pitching with uh with double A Biloxi Burns two and one, one point two seven ERA in, in six games now uh with the Shuckers. I mean how impressive has this guy been as uh, he mastered one level and he seemingly has another level mastered as well.
3: Yeah, it's yeah, it's getting quite impressive. He's basically rush the, uh, the Carolina league. And last I was checking, he was having another fine performance here today. Uh, uh, it's, you know, he's he's right now would be the, the young question picture of the year in the minor league system. Um, and tonight it's quite impressive stats. He's, I watched him. Uh, I took a trip down to Carolina to see him um, with the Mike for first start. And uh, I think he went six, seven innings shutout, you know, six, seven strikeouts. Uh, it's just uh, it's fun to watch. You look at his fastball; he's he just really drives it. Gets gets good movement, cutting action. Um, his slider is definitely his go-to pitch, and you know, he's getting a lot, you know, a lot of swing and misses on that. Um, the big thing is he has he has four pitches. He throws a curveball as well and a changeup. Um, and some pitches he has going some nights. Some if he, if he has slider not working, he can go to his curveball. Um, but it's the big thing with, with Burns is, have a lot of a lot of questions on what his role will be in the major leagues, or or what to uh, what should we see as far as expectations of him, you know, as a major league pitcher. Um, and uh, it's 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 really tough to see because there there can be a difference between what you see in a, in a box score and um, actual stuff. And it, he's getting good results, and I don't know how much of his stuff has really improved. You know, his velocity has been. Pretty similar, you know, 90, 92 to ninety five, kind of max. Um, you know, I kind of see him personally, you know, as a four to four to five starter, maybe a, a three max. Um, but there's nothing wrong with that. There's a there's a lot of value there, and uh, um, you know, he's he's going to be a major league pitcher. Um, it's always questions on what you know, what is that actually going to look like. So, but yeah, you, you can't deny he's been he's been really really impressive to watch. Um, you weren't sure coming into the year, you, know, you, didn't, you hadn't played at high, at high A yet, um, different pitching and especially the jump at double A talk about how big of a jump from, from high A to double A is. Um, but yeah, he's, he's really handled it well. Um, I just remember Brandon Woodruff last year. as he got, if he got called up to double A, he had struggled there for quite a bit. Um, and before really turning around and, uh, You know, commanding his pitches a lot more, throwing more strikes. Um, But, yeah, really good to see. You'll see how he progresses, but um, big fan of Burns.
1: Nick Ramirez is someone who's worked exclusively out of the bullpen. He's got a 1.34 ERA. Uh, he's, he's saved a couple games. Left-handers this year are hitting just 161 against him. Uh, the Brewers are going to have a decision to make with him in terms of uh, making sure that he doesn't get uh, picked up in the uh, offseason, a 40-man roster decision to make with him. The way Ramirez is pitching, he looks like a guy that could develop into a a pretty good lefty out of the bullpen at, at the big league level. Do you, do you agree with that or am I putting too much on a guy who's, you know, breaking out here uh, this year at double-A? <laughs>
3: yeah, it's, it's, it's part of the story that you can expect coming into this year in the Miley system is what, you know, what does it actually look like to see a, to see a hitter, um, to a pitcher yeah. and I, you just, you can't get any better results than you've seen from Ramirez. Um, yeah, he's a left-hander. He's good size. Still got, I think fastball, curveball, might have a changeup in there. But Olzar is two two pitches he's going to. Um, really good success and uh, not allowing a lot of hits. Still walking to two batters. I mean, first-year pitching, I can't really hold that against him. But um, not allowing a lot of hits. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a tough tough question to, to really answer with, you got know, other lefties in the system. Yeah. Duder, you know, wait, John Wong, um, is doing well in triple a, he might have his opportunities soon. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, as far as stock, Nick Ramirez has definitely gone up. It's, it's going to be tough. There's a lot of guys that, um, are going to have to be put on the 40 man roster this, this off season that are notable. Um, and you know, it's, it's going to be a tough decision. I, I, I think they're, they're happy with the results that he's getting from them. And, uh, We'll see, but um, it's good to see from something you don't get out that happen that often um, if you go to a, or hit or go to a pitcher.
1: Luis Ortiz, the top-rated prospect on this team, and uh, he had a spectacular month of June when he pitched to a 1.32 ERA, somewhat limited sample size, appeared just in three games. July has not been quite as friendly to him. Uh, what's your takeaway yeah. on, on Ortiz and his continued development?
3: Yeah, I'm. I'm still. I think he's. He's probably the second second best pitcher in the system behind Hater. Uh, he's. His stuff is is really good. His uh, fastball is always going to be up at ninety five, ninety six max. Um, and his slider and his, his changeup are just really good. Um, so it flashes, them, flashes them. He's still very young. He's, he doesn't turn twenty two until late September. Um, He's, he's struggling. Yeah, he struggled here a little bit in uh, July but um gonna have to you know take the walks down a bit um but opponent average is you know in the low of 200 um he's still you know getting guys out and uh not not long about a hit um granted in a in a somewhat pitcher friendly um, area in philosophy but um I, I still think he's uh he's on track to be a potential Three number three starter in a, in a major league rotation.
1: We are continuing to speak with uh, Nolan Bratt. You can follow him on Twitter at Brewer Prospect. Uh, puts out a lot of stuff via Twitter on pretty much an everyday basis about the Brewers minor league system. If you want to follow the system, that's a, that's a great Twitter account to uh, to follow. Where AAA had a, you know prospects from a hitting perspective, but not so much a, pit, a pitching perspective, kind of the opposite at AA, uh, but from a hitting perspective or a position player perspective, they do have Jacob Nottingham. Uh, he, he's a guy, they're still Questions about whether he's going to be a catcher in the big leagues or not. He had a really good month of June, hitting three seventeen. July has not been friendly to him through Sunday's action. He's uh, he's two of eighteen. To me, he continues to be a, just kind of a question mark because uh, the, there seems to be inconsistencies with his bat. You don't know if he's going to be able to catch at the big league level. Uh, where do you stand? Am I am I wrong on that, or where do you stand on him?
3: No, you're. Uh... You're definitely not out of the ballpark and, and, and really questioning what what does he look like as a catcher at the well level. It's hard and uh thing I will give credit to Nottingham is he has made uh you know, quite quite a bit of improvement in twenty seventeen, both with the bat. Yeah, he has struggled here in July a little bit, but um I think from the uh sure to the end of April or start of May, he was just breaking for about two months there. Um fielding wise is uh, it's really where you know he's he's shown himself really improve. He's I believe last time I checked he was leading the the Southern League in uh, cost stealing percentage. He was well over forty percent, uh, which is quite impressive. He's only you know had a couple errors this season. Um, just looking at stats, he had fifteen errors in twenty sixteen, only two errors so far in twenty seventeen. Um, but right, it's you know. As far as Carter, he's he's definitely uh, still a project in the works. He's, uh, um, but, but the, uh, the improvements are good to see, and uh, we'll see where he goes. I imagine he'll be uh, in the next couple months here. He'll get a promotion to uh, AAA, and we'll uh, see where it goes from there. But he's definitely in the uh, in the plans here in the 2018 and beyond. I think.
1: I look at the the High A Carolina roster. And I see Trent Clark and Asan Diaz and Lucas Ersig Jake Jake Gatewood and Monte Harrison and Corey Ray and uh, Marcos Diplon and Cody Ponce and Trey. I mean, this is is this is is this the most stacked roster in the organization at uh, at, at Carolina?
3: Oh yeah, uh, I would I would totally agree with that. And any given time this year, they have just uh, been fun to watch. They've, they've added guys to pack uh, most recently. Um, you know, Monte as well. Uh, but yeah, it's, it is quite a stacked, uh, lineup day in, day out. Um, you know, Diaz, Gatewood, Gatewood has probably made the most, most strides this year, um, offensively. Uh, Monte's looked good in his short time, um, with the Mudcats as well. Um, Stokes is a guy even too that, you know, you're not going to see him on a uh, top 20, top 30 prospect list but, uh, my opinion, he's a, he's a, he's kind of a fringe top 30. Uh, he could even slide in there. He's, he's just really made improvements, um, over the last uh, almost year and a half now. Uh, his power tick this year is really what's been jumping up and, uh, you know, makes it's kind of a short, contact swing. Um, probably in the field, he kind of projects as a, a below average, um, arm, but, um, so offensively, he's really shown himself, uh, kind of in the mix um for the coming uh for the coming years now. So uh, but yeah, as you say it's it's fun to watch. The pitching it's a lot of young a lot of young guys and there's a there's some inconsistencies here and there. You see Diaz a little struggling here and um but it's a it's a lot of talent, for sure fun to watch so
1: Corey Ray, obviously, there's a, so much attention on him for his standing in the organization as uh, the top prospect of the organization. And if Brinson somehow gets enough service time at the big league level this year, he could move into that uh, that number one spot sooner than later. You look at him, and he, you know, they've been so aggressive in where they've placed him from the moment he got drafted. But his numbers, he's had flashes. He hit 290 in the month of May. That goes down to 230 in June. He starts out July for 19. At some point in time, do they need to find a way to make sure that Corey Ray can have kind of a a position to have an extended amount of success? If that makes sense.
3: Yeah, it's it's, it's a question mark. It's tough to say at this point. Um, he's got the tools for sure, and uh, it's just they're not showing up right now. He's I think he's more of a he's had more swing and miss problems than we maybe initially unexpected, you know, coming out of the draft. Um, so that can be a, definitely an issue, probably a big reason why he's got the low average, um, not getting on base much. Um, in the field, he's still, I mean, he's still an adult average fielder, really gets on, you know, moves quick and uh, has, a, has a great arm out there. Um, I think they still have high hopes. You know, it uh, you, you like to see better results, but um, I, I think, you uh, Ray is still a major league outfielder and uh I mean, I'm hoping we'll see uh we'll see him back in our hot streak soon. Um but yeah, it's tough to see. There's it's probably one of the few few guys struggling here in the in the system um over the first half of the season. Probably Marco Steplan would be another guy on the same team here that's uh a rough spell, but um I think with Ray we'll uh we'll definitely see him and hopefully we'll see him progress here soon
1: on the other side, of things you have Asan Diaz, who after hitting 129 in June, uh, first nine games in July, he is 13 for 32. That's a 406 average. There was so much uh, optimism about what he with him, especially after what he did with the Timber Rattlers last year. I've talked a lot with Chris Marion. They're uh, they're very good broadcaster. I remember how uh, you know what, the things that he, that he has said about him. Uh, Asan Diaz, what is it, what what are your hopes for him?
3: Yeah, I'm a big Houston Diaz fan. Uh it, power power hitting middle infielders are a rare breed and uh he's got that for sure. It's uh it's it's probably my favorite swing to watch in the system. Um you know, even though he's, he's had a little struggle here if you're looking at the first half of the season, um definitely hitting, hitting well at the late. Um but he's gonna hit some power. Uh, he's He's going to be a 20, 25, 30 home run guy. Um, and he shows flashes of that last year, this year as well. Um, you know, the big thing with Ethan is in, in the field. You know, he's, he's still listed as a shortstop. Obviously, uh, the expectation is he's going to move the second and be there full time here, hopefully in the future. Um, but now the bat is, the bat's fun to watch. It's a, it's a beautiful swing. You know, he moves the hips. You know perfect and uh, fun to watch. He
1: sure. he has not played shortstop since June 24th. Uh, he's been a second baseman or a DH every other game. Are we seeing that transition starting now?
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's not it's not something that hasn't been tried out yet. Uh, I think he played a majority of the games last year in Wisconsin at shortstop. But uh, uh, yeah, I think it's probably the way the roster's set. Um, you have Luis last or Abilas I Um he's kind of been the the man at short um, and, and somebody said he's a little better better fielder than uh, Diaz there um, but yeah I think it's, it's definitely not an issue where they feel like they have to keep him that shortstop um, you know much longer they can uh, they can definitely move him there um, you know and get him started at second because he's I, I think he's at second is a great place for him. he can be a great fielder there have a, have a solid arm and uh i think that's that's definitely his future role and uh i'd say by, by you know the rest of this year next year you should see him uh time at second for sure
1: i I can't ask you about ever like we didn't get into airsay we didn't get much into gatewood into Ponce and super yeah. and all those guys i'm i'm gonna give this to you. One more guy on that Carolina roster who you're most high on that if you got a choice on who I would ask you about next, because we can't ask you about every guy, who else would you want to talk about?
3: <laughs> well, I kind of got to talk about Jake Gatewood because I'm a, I'm a huge uh, Gatewood fan at the moment. Uh, this, uh, it's, I'll talk about somebody else here soon, but, but Gatewood's improvements over the years, uh, it's just really been impressive. It's just really made an impression on me. The um, uh, big thing that's been talked about is you know, he got contacts in the offseason, and uh, that's helped improve his vision. His swing has also changed, and uh, I think that's also a, a big indicator on, on his success. And his, uh, He's hitting the balls harder, um, getting on base more, working the count. Um, he's got his hands back, um, got the bat in the, in the strike zone a lot more um, he's using his body more than just his hands on the dry pitches. But I think some have asked, I've gotten questions of, you know, what, what can we expect from Gatewood going forward? Is this sustainable? Um, you know, what should we see of him, you know, in the future? Uh, I, I think this is, this is something you can, you can expect from him. He's seeing these come around 277 at the moment. um, I think I think you can you can expect about a, a 250 260 hitter with you know 25 25 30 home runs. I think that's um, that's a good projection for him. The big thing going forward is is how he's going to improve defensively. You know we see we seen him basically at first base uh, this, this entire year, and, and probably is that you had Lucas Erceg at third, um, you know Diaz at and you listen in the infield at short and second, um, you know. He won't get much playing time at third at the moment. He really struggled for the most part um, at at Wisconsin last year in his time at at third base. Um, but you know uh, the front office loves their versatility, and uh, that's 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 going to be a big thing for Gaywood as he uh, as he keeps moving forward. Is uh, the opportunity is going to be there if if he can find a spot for him in the lineup? And uh, um, we've seen it. You know, I've had going back to our our Cooper conversation is see what it's like to, to be at first base and you're just you're limited and uh and i think we can touch to the prospects list and you'll see them with defenses you know improvement you'll see uh and versatility you'll see them kind of rise there um but beyond that um another guy that kind of has come on this, this year that's not really a prospect he, he definitely won't see him on prospect list but he at Carolina he's just had a lot of success. And this guy named Wilder Rodriguez, um, he's twenty four. He was an uh, international signing a few years ago. Standing six two, one eighty. I mean, Arm that's come out of the bullpen and he has just dominated the Carolina League um, so far. A few times I've watched him um, really repeats his delivery well, um has good good change up from what I've seen. Um, but mixes his pitches doesn't overpower hitters, but I mean, his ERA is at 1.19 out of 37 innings. Um, 41 strikeouts, 9 walks, average of 1.853 for hitters. Um, he's had a little bit of a taste of double A, uh, but I think they seem packed in the, in the bullpen at the moment there. But he, I guess he'll probably be back up in Biloxi pretty soon. Um, but it's just been intriguing to watch. Uh, there's a couple other My League guys uh, follow on Twitter and uh, they both mentioned his success and it's. Uh, and we'll see what we'll progresses but uh, fun to watch in 2017 for sure Wilder Rodriguez
1: it, it's been a it's been a tough year for the Timber Rattlers they went 26 and 42 mm-hmm. in the first half they have started the second half 7 and 11 so a bit better from a winning percent standpoint but still uh, it's been tough for them um, and you look at some of the numbers, and and quite honestly, they're not especially impressive so far. Uh, there's only one guy on the active roster right now, pitching staff wise, who's got an ERA below three and a half. Uh, there's a lot of guys who are hitting two fifty and below. It's not a group that has a ton of prospects. But what's kind of been your general takeaway from the Timber Rattlers this year?
3: Yeah, going into the year, it seemed like Wisconsin probably had the least amount of this- Prospect talent that you would expect um, on it, and um, a lot of a lot of young guys that are getting the first taste of a ball and uh, having trouble making contact, a lot of low averages. You're seeing um, guys like even like Ronnie Gideon, who had crazy success last year in, in Helena, and uh, you know we're all wondering what would, how would this translate to uh, to low A, and it's it's really quite a bit of a jump between those two levels, and uh, yeah, he. Gideon has had his success here and there, but not nearly as, uh, as great as it was last year. Um, you know, I think one guy that's kind of been brought up on the podcast before, but Mario Feliciano has, has been impressive to watch. Um, 18 years old, he's uh, you know, the average has dropped here about the 240ish, but um, for the greater half of the season, he's been impressive with the bat. I think it was it was tough, you know, to try to project how it would you know what how he would actually produce in, in this team and going into, the, going into the season, I personally did not think he was going to be a timber out there. I thought you know, he would for sure start the year in uh short season hell enough. Um, but these guys kind of jumped out to me a, a short list of guys that have jumped out to me in, uh, Wisconsin, but, um, the fielding he's been, he's been quite impressive again for his age. Uh, you hope to see this continue forward, but, um, I'm a, fan of, I'm a fan of Felicia. You'll probably see him jump up a little bit on, on prospect list here and there. Um, but you know, a good catcher, a flat catcher for that. Um, I can uh, has, has a good potential in the field um, and a good good contact with the bat. So,
1: in, in terms of short season, obviously Keston here, the the first round pick from this year, sure. has been ridiculous in what he's done to Arizona, hitting better than uh, better than 400. You know, that's a that's a tough thing though. Here's a here's a college guy facing really a lot of kind of high school guys. Do you take anything away from the numbers he's putting up in Arizona?
3: Personally, uh I don't. I, I really don't. It's it, it's really tough. I mean you're talking about a short sample size here, up forty eight bats. Um you you kinda expect him to just dominate his if he was gonna get at-bats first Arizona. They are it is high school. It granted he's only twenty and, and turns uh twenty one here another month. Um but the bat it's just it's it's impressive. Uh I've watched it here and there and uh, the bat speed is real for sure. It's you know, he's gonna he's gonna hit for average and probably hit for power. Um but yeah, if you're talking about sample size and, and the Arizona league pitching, um it's it's probably a good idea to not take a 400 average and a and a one one thousand two sixty eight ops um, and translate that to a uh, to a higher level of stuff. Uh, but we should see him. I mean, we should see him probably in Wisconsin here toward the, uh, the end of July. I think he's got a sweet throwing program. It started you know as soon as he was drafted, um, and uh, I think we're about. Three or so weeks here, so um, he'll he'll get a chance here in uh, Wisconsin, and also sure I will for sure be uh, making the trek up to Appleton and uh, checking him out um, when I can here at the uh, later later in August.
1: Are we seeing is this going to be what the Brewers do? That if they draft a a college guy. With a premier draft pick, that they're not they're not going to mess around with uh, with short season. Obviously, I know here is there, but uh, you know he's kind of coming back from some things, and, and you know the throwing program with the elbow and everything. Last year we saw Corey Ray Keston here is going to get his first you know true minor league at bats with with Wisconsin. Is this going to be a thing where these top draft picks who are college guys are generally going to be pushed into full season ball right away?
3: Uh, you know. It's- Really depends on depends on the player and the how advanced they are with their bat and uh, you know we saw last year with Ursa, he spent about a hundred ABs or so in Helena um indeed what you want to there is, is is dominate there and then that that really translated to Wisconsin um I think I think the third round pick KJ Harrison kind of known as having a uh, his bat is is what is going to play for him um, he's starting. Starting in Helena as well, um, you know, I, it's a tough question. It, it really depends. You know, a lot of a lot of the first round picks that are college at bats, um, you would expect you expect in low A ball. Uh, I'm thinking last year, Nick Senzel, who was the um, pick by the, the Reds top five, and he started out in the Midwest League as well. Um, so, yeah, it, it really depends. Some, some college guys. You know, like uh, Jaron Kendall, the guy from Wisconsin, really good tools in the field, good speed. Is that um, you know, kind of was a question mark. You might see him start in uh, in short season, um, but yeah, for the most part, depends depends on the player for sure.
1: You uh speaking of. KJ Harrison, we're we're doing this interview at about 7.30 on Sunday night. You tweeted out about an hour ago, uh, making reference to the fact that he has been assigned to the Helena Brewers. He's listed as a first baseman uh, rather than a catcher. Uh, As we go through this period where draft picks are getting signed, draft picks are getting uh, placed, either guys who are already playing short season ball or guys who are about to get started, uh, what guy or two are you maybe really have a close eye on, to interested to see what they're going to do here over the next month and a half two months
3: yeah I'm, Harrison's definitely a guy I'm, I'm interested I'm, uh, the big thing with Harrison I'm, I'm interested to in see where he's playing um, you have Peyton Henry right now as a starting catcher in Helena he was uh, a 5th or 6th round pick last year at high school and it's uh, also another, another guy I'm, I'm curious to see As his, his father actually follows me on Twitter and uh, I've messaged him a few times and uh um you know, I've seen some pictures he's posted of, of Henry Pay and Henry Working in the off season and uh another guy that the Brewers paid a, a high price for and uh I uh I think he's he's had decent success here on the uh starting up season. Um but, you know, with, with K J Harrison going to Helena it's it's tough to see him, you know. I'm I'm interested to see what the what the playing time split would be A catcher um you also have a guy named gabriel garcia who absolutely raked last year in the arizona league um he listed as a first baseman 6'3 185 he's currently 19 years old 14th round pick um right now he's getting the bulk of the the first baseman duties Hit about 266 walking a ton um decent power um so he's been playing first base so it's there's just a lot of good talent. That's just talent of air. Um the uh this recent draft pick has really just produced a bunch of arms. Um, high school arms for that. You got Caden Lemons, um Brendan Murphy, and then there's a few arms that in the later teens rounds that were that were drafted. Um I'm trying to think offhand. Um, but there's, it's a lot of lot of high school arms off the top of my head I think that will uh probably placed in Arizona first and uh, I don't know if you've seen the Arizona roster, but it is just packed. Um, there is a lot of guys there. They could almost use another, uh, another Arizona yeah. team. Um, I know it's been on Fan down in that um, it's, they've had forums here and there talking about how many players are there and, and really the amount of, uh, they, they just really need to get another uh, roster because it's, I mean I'm looking i'm estimating about forty forty arms or forty thirty something arms here Jeez. um there's there's some that haven't been put on there yet um or recent signings. um but and, and I should, I should take that back because there's a there's a handful that are on on the Arizona roster, but our list is a sixty day deal so they could be back this year they could not um guys like Daniel who who is uh, part of the Adam Lynn trade like Lewis six three uh, left hander. Uh, out of high school last year, actually went to the same high school as Riley Pint, uh, the top five pick last year as well. Um, I'm not sure what the status of those guys are, if we'll see them this year or not. Um, um other than that, it's just, it's a lot of talent. Um, beyond, beyond, uh, Keston Hira, uh, Nick Egnatook, I think you can say that right, um, is a third baseman they drafted early on this, this year as well. Um, there's some expectations I think I have on him that, you know, that he's probably more of the project type of high school that you may see. Um, there's not a lot of video on him that you may find online, but, um, he's a, he's a name to follow for sure. Um, Jesus Lojano uh, is a guy that was a, one of the bigger Dominican signings, uh, a year ago. And, uh, he's playing right now in Arizona in the outfield. He's, a lefty batter um and he's had pretty decent success here batting 278 361 and uh 370 slugging so uh, a lot of talent it's just it's fun to follow um never ending There's, there's guys everywhere that uh try to stay up with day in and day out so
1: so some organizations take an extra short season team. Like I know the Rockies have, or the rather right. the Royals have uh, a team in the Pioneer League and the Appy League. Is that something that maybe the the Brewers should look if if that opportunity ever arises that they go grab another team and another short season squad?
3: Yeah, I think that's uh, that would be a wide move in my opinion. I think there's there's a few other guys in line that you would you would hear that would say the same thing. Um, yeah, you see it a lot, and uh, I'm surprised for the amount of arms they have, and they signed a bunch of undrafted free agents um, after the draft this past year. You know, on top of the top of the high schoolers they have there, I think it would be um, definitely worthwhile to have a. They, they right now they they have a Dominican uh, team, but they're also splitting a uh, co-op team with the with the Indians. So they about three quarters of that roster with the with the Indians are splitting together is. Brewers um, players so that was just initiated this year and uh, that's good to see um, but yeah I think I, I think more and more teams are headed toward that um, having having at least one more short season team uh, because two I mean two teams is, is tough and uh, I'm not sure what the, the percentage of teams you know in the majors that have only you know a Arizona team or hell the team uh, In two short-season teams. I'm not sure what that is, but I can't imagine it's that high. Um, Yeah, you could see that for sure.
1: Last thing for you. You've been incredibly gracious with your time tonight, so thank you for that. Uh, the 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 Brewers signed. You know, we were all looking through those rounds eleven through nineteen in the draft and wondering how many of those run of high school guys they were going to sign. And they signed a few more than even I expected. And uh, David Stearns recently said that they were within two uh, percent of overspending, where it would have cost them a draft pick. Yeah were you were you at all surprised with how many of those guys they were able to sign and the money they were able to throw around with the, the most recent draft
3: yeah I mean, classic strings is gonna is gonna push it to the limit there and uh, I, I wouldn't expect anything other uh, you know it's it's really tough to gauge how much you know guys are requesting as far as signing bonus um, you know which guys would be on and not. Justin Bullock is a name. If he was 16th round, um, he's a right-hander high schooler that um, had a pretty big commitment to NC State. I think he committed when he was 14 years so. old. Um, it, it seemed pretty firm when I was kind of researching him after he was drafted. But it's a very live arm, you know, runs it up there to, to 96, 97. Probably sits more 90, 91, 92. Um, but he's got a change and a curveball that when I was watching it just it looked very uh, very good and very projectable for for uh, for that round um, I can't remember what his signing bonus was but I think it was comparable to a you know sixth round sixth round pick um, so that's an arm uh, Javon Ward is uh, just a crazy athlete he was the 11th or 11th or 12th uh, round pick there Um Definitely was tough to, tough to gauge what he was commanding as far as signing bonus goes. Um, but I think he's 6'5, really good athlete, should fielder. Um, probably more of a center field type. Um, the bats, you know, the, the question mark is it's definitely going to be a project with him. Um, but you never can have enough toolsy, fast, athletic outfielders. And, uh, he's just going to be another one to add in the mix. Probably will start in Arizona. They're kind of short for outfielders at the moment. They um, only have two on the roster. I imagine with uh, Tristan Lewis signing, he'll be added there as well, but um, just going to add some more talent to Arizona, but he's uh, he's another guy I would kind of look at, you know, pre-draft and a little intrigued there, but it's always tough with, uh, with that kind of profile. How um, at the back end to project? Got some, well, I've heard he has some BP power, but tough to translate. Um, he's got low contact at the moment, but, um, but we'll see. And those are two guys to keep an eye on for sure in that uh, 10, 11 to 20 round where a bunch of high schoolers were selected there, so...
1: He is Nolan Bratt. He is can be followed on Twitter at Brewer Prospect. Also has the uh, the complimentary website that goes along with the uh, Twitter feed at uh, brewerprospect.wordpress.com. Nolan, what can uh, if folks come and check out uh, your Twitter account and all the uh, everything that you push out on a daily basis? What can they expect?
3: Yeah. So basically, every night um, I go through and post, you know, notable box scores for. All the uh, all the minor league teams that you'll see, so all the way from Colorado through Arizona, um, a lot of the you know, the pitching best, best pitching pitching performance of the night, some um, of the be- some of the better hitting performances for the teams. Um, beyond that, um, I also go through and post video for um, video that's available, so that's um, either the Timber Rattlers, Mudcats, the Suckers, um, now and then one of them may not have video, but I try to cover at least uh, a highlight or two here from, from each of the affiliate, um, each night and, and post that on there, give a little snapshot of, you know, uh, what a player looks like. You know, you often see box going, you see a player, but, um, I think the big thing for fans that are are following these guys, you can actually put a, uh, a name to a face into a swing into a, into a windup. And, uh, I think that's, that's what fans want to see. Um, beyond that, uh, have a site. However, the site doesn't, I don't primarily work from the site. I kind of say that it's a uh, complement to the Twitter account. So I basically have three main things that I use on the site. One is, I call it the, uh, the Prospect Video Vault. It was once called the Vine Vault, but Vine is no longer with us. It has passed away. And uh, basically what you'll find on the Prospect Video Vault is all of my archive videos, all the prospects that I've I've videoed um from, you know, Jacob Barnes at the top all the way down to Kyle Um basically all their videos in order from latest to earliest. Um it's an easy place. I use it probably more frequently than others do, but um kinda of going back and seeing changes in, in player swings and, and mechanics that pitchers uh, has changed in their their wind up um it's it's a resource that I think a lot of fans may not know about, but I try to keep it updated and and keep adding video about every day. Beyond that, I keep a spreadsheet that I try to update daily as well. Basically, it's the organizational you know, rosters and depth chart that goes all the way through, you know, Arizona. Um, every player, if somebody a transaction happens or a guy has moved up, I try to change that. So um, that way. Fans can kind of look there and see, you know, what positions may be more packed than others or, you know, if, if the guy's doing well, you know, who is, who's the next in line above him the next level up. Um, they can uh, easily see that. Uh, last thing is I, I try to have a uh, top 30 list that uh, I'm probably going to update twice or, or three times a year. Um, but, uh, kind of my personal top 30 prospect system. Um, probably updated here in the next few weeks. Uh, after the trading deadline and and uh, add a few guys to it, um, but it's, it adds uh, has links to videos for each of the guys there, little uh, little blurbs here and there for uh, for each of the players there. So that's what the site. I mean, I I, I follow the major league team as well, and uh, I I chirp in now and then about you know the Brewers and give my little two cents in there. But uh, but you'll definitely find daily uh, daily updates for the minor league system. Um, River Prospect, River Prospect, no, uh, no plural for any of those things, just E-R-E-W-E-R-P-R-O-S-T-E-C-T, uh, that's on Twitter. So, All
1: right, Nolan, great stuff. It's uh, great to get you on the podcast for the first time. Thank you so much for giving me so much of your time, and uh, I'm sure we will talk again uh, down the line.
3: Sounds good. Thanks for having me, Matt.
1: Our thanks to Nolan Bratt for joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile here on our All-Star Break edition or our First Half Recap edition. It's really both those things, so whatever you want to go with. Uh, the, the Brewers have a few days off. The All-Star Game is coming up on Tuesday. The Brewers' representation is Corey Knebel, who obviously we were talking about uh, earlier, has put together one heck of a season, and then uh, they will return to the field. Well, I guess technically they return to the field uh, on Thursday. There's an optional workout at Miller Park, and uh, but they actually return for games coming up uh, this weekend when they have a three-game set against the Philadelphia Phillies. This is going to be a celebration of the uh, 1982 team. Really cool stuff going on Uh, Friday night, it's a free shirt Friday, uh, so they're doing a uh, 1982 Paul Molitor replica jersey giveaway. Then on uh, the Saturday game, it's going to be a full reunion of that 1982 team with a pregame ceremony. And then on Sunday, they're going to be giving away a replica championship ring from that 1982 team. So that's going to be a fun weekend. It's also an important weekend for the team uh, because the rest of the month of July is spent mainly on the road. You know, we we talk so much about the Brewers being nine games above .500 and five and a half games up in the National League Central. Uh, they've got to they've got to back that up in the second half of July, because after the three game home series against the Phillies. They go to Pittsburgh for four. Pittsburgh's been playing some pretty good baseball this year. Pittsburgh seemingly has had the Brewers' number to a to a certain extent recently. They then go back to Philly for a three-game set, so they'll play the Phillies in back-to-back weekends at home on the weekends starting Friday the 14th on the road, starting Friday the 21st. And then they have a three-game set in Washington against the Nationals, and that's not going to be easy against one of the better teams in the National League before they come home for a three-game series against the Cubs, and obviously that's a huge series as well. We're going to know so much more about this Brewers team come trade deadline day on July 31st because of what they've got to go through uh, once they get back uh, going. And you hope the All-Star break doesn't come at a bad time. I mean, the Brewers are just absolutely rolling right now, taking two out of three against the Yankees, winning that makeup game against the Cubs, sweeping the Orioles, taking two out of three against the Marlins before that. I mean, this team is absolutely on a roll right now now and you hope they can continue that role after uh, a little bit of a rest and relaxation Coming up uh, from Monday through Thursday, Friday night's game at Miller Park will start at seven ten. You'll be able to hear it beginning at six thirty five on WTMJ. A six ten start on Saturday, and then a one ten start on Sunday. All right, that's gonna do it for this edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks so much for being tuned in. As always, if you have any feedback, uh, feel free to uh, get at me. You can uh, always tweet at me if you would like at Matt Pauly Radio M A T T. P-A-U-L-E-Y radio is uh, the best way to uh, get in contact with me and always enjoy the tweets. If I'm a little slow getting back to you this week, it is the All-Star break. Might be a little less active on Twitter over the next few days, but I'll definitely be uh, right back at it coming up on Friday as the All-Star break comes to an end. do want to say thank you once again to my guest for uh, coming on the program. Adam Rick from uh, the Brewer Nation and FanRag Sports, one of our favorite guests, the first-ever guest on the program, and he's been a great resource for us. And also, uh, for the first-time guest today, having uh, Nolan Bratt on from uh, Brewer Prospect, uh, at Brewer Prospect on Twitter. Uh, It was great to talk to him as well, and he's somebody that we will certainly feature on the program again going forward. Enjoy the All-Star break. Enjoy watching Corey Knable in the All-Star game. Hopefully he will pitch coming up on Tuesday And we'll talk to you again next week for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by
0: WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to the home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.